0: Realistic Randy is one of the OG callers into Vikings Vettelon. And now he's one of the biggest Vikings YouTube superstars on earth. His Vikings pain is now your game. This is Realistic Randy Rants with Randy and Declan on Purple Daily and Score North.
1: Realistic Randy Rants every Monday. Back at it here, Randy. We don't have a game necessary to dissect from the day before, but we did have a lot to be thankful for. On and off the field, the Minnesota Vikings beat the New England Patriots. Uh, They get a big win in primetime. Realistic Randy, we're going to have more of a big picture playoff discussion. The Vikings can even clinch the North as soon as as next Sunday. Uh, We'll get into all that, but before we do, what was your main takeaway from uh, the Vikings win over the New England Patriots?
0: Well, the opening scripted drive was successful again with the Justin Jefferson touchdown, and then after that, things got murky until the two-minute offense to end the first half, or at least the final possession for the Vikings in the first half. You had the Hawkinson score, followed by the missed extra point, Declan Goff, from your boy, <laughs> Greg <laughs> Joseph, who you said there's nothing to worry about nothing there. Nothing to
1: worry about. Don't look over here. Offensively,
0: the Vikings got the job done. They put up 26 points, and then you had the Kanae and Wangu kickoff return for a touchdown for another seven. Offensive line was great. Kirk Cousins in primetime, he was fantastic. Justin Jefferson, he might have to be in the conversation for most valuable player in the league. He's not going to win it, but I would say he's on track to at least deserve a vote. And that alone, I figured, you know what, the Vikings, they should have won in a more convincing fashion than they did because I was saying to myself, at least on the preview vid that I did on my YouTube channel, that, listen, New England, they are an elite defense. Matt Judon, oh, we got to worry about him. We got Blake Brandle out there. No Christian Darasaw. I heard nothing about Matt Judon at all. They did the damn thing. Okay, so on the flip side, for the Vikings' defense, okay, if the Vikings' offense can get the job done against the Patriots' defense, the Vikings' defense, you're going up against Matt Jones, who before Thanksgiving, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. Any competent defense that's easy money. Okay. Instead, the Vikings defense allowed Matt Jones to go off for 28 of 39, 382 yards and two touchdowns. The Vikings defense made things more difficult than it had to be, which made me think somehow, some way, I thought about the Vikings Steelers game last year. Oh, yeah. And in which case, I I think difficult wins just. Damn near heart attacks for Vikings fans. I think just that's just par for the course, no matter what coach is sure. here. Last year's Vikings Steelers game, Declan Goff. The Vikings were up 29 to nothing. Yeah, man. Okay. They ended up winning that game 36-28. They damn near blew that lead. At which point, Troy Aikman said, I told you Vikings are must-watch TV. That's just what they do. But they got the job done. They got the win. They're 9-2. and two. They're looking in great shape right now and it was it was great watching yesterday's games yeah knowing that the Vikings already won I don't have to be stressed out later I could just sit back as a general football fan Mm. and enjoy the experience
1: I know I got to experience more of Scott Hanson red zone which we don't usually get obviously because the Vikings are playing at noon you know we don't get that witching hour window we don't get to experience that so I thought I thought the same thing that it was kind of nice just all right we're three days removed from this um our main takeaways have been dissected and now it's just watching football and kind of get a bigger landscape and bigger picture of the rest of the nfc which is where we're about to go here on realistic randy rants hit the subscribe button for daily minnesota vikings entertainment go subscribe to realistic randy's youtube channel as well for some great minnesota vikings content all right randy so let, let's take a look here we've been doing this honestly the last few weeks on this show but we've kind of taken a look at the nfc playoff picture so the vikings right now are the two seed if the playoffs started today they even have a two-game lead on the next team in the San Francisco 49ers who are the three seed. So they're firmly in position here to have the two seed. They're actually firmly in to clinch the NFC North in six days with some help from, help from the Lions. Think about that for a minute. The Vikings can officially clinch not just the North because it's like, okay, that's awesome. They can actually clinch a home playoff game as soon as this Sunday. The home playoff game will be locked in no matter what seating you are because you won your division. So... Honestly, I, I keep coming back to that after looking at the scenarios, talking with Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily today, that it's not the fact that they can rack up the vision, which is, yeah, that's pretty impressive this early in the season. It's the fact that a home playoff game also is locked in if the Lions beat the Jaguars and the Vikings take care of business against the Jets.
0: Yeah, the Vikings, they're going to be the two seed. I don't Unless something catastrophic happens the rest of the way, the Vikings, they're locked in at that spot. I think the only... Thing here is the yeah, but or what could have been is man, you had a chance, and technically they could still go after the one seed. But I think after that great opportunity the Vikings had not last week, but that Sunday before when you went up against the Dallas Cowboys, after Philly lost to the Washington Commanders, Mm -hmm. you had a great opportunity to stay on pace with Philly. To okay, they got the head to head tiebreaker on you because they beat you in week two, but if you can just have a better record than Philly you can get that one seat, And then something about this team, man, when things just line up perfectly where it's like, all right, do your job, and you got it, just win, things usually fall apart. And you lost to the Dallas Cowboys 40-3. to But besides that, they're in for the 2 seat, man, and they're going to have at least a home playoff game at U.S. Bank Stadium. It's a tough place to play if you're a visiting team. The, the crowd is so loud with the skull chant. It is so – it gives me chills. Yeah, man. Not just when I'm in that stadium, but even – I watched it in my new house with the surround sound and everything, watching the Thanksgiving game and the skull chant I'm just everything's quiet inside with man, this is nuts, so I think the Vikings are in great shape. the two seed, nothing's gonna get in the way of at least that. You can still attain the one seed. I don't know if you're gonna get many more opportunities than what you had the week before going up against the Dallas Cowboys, but the Vikings. They're in great shape
1: right now. Yeah, you basically have to be two games better than the Eagles between now and the end of the season. So that's probably going to be unlikely at this point. So even per 538, the Eagles have a 63% chance uh, to have that first round by. The Cowboys uh, are actually second with 18%, the Vikings at 16%. So uh, the the Vikings probably are more looking like a 2 or a 3 seed. You'd have to get a lot more luck for them to get the 1 seed. Uh, and if the playoffs started today, uh, they would actually be playing Taylor Heineke and the Washington Commanders, who all of a sudden are clicking. Oh and the Vikings win over Washington actually looks a lot more impressive. Now, it's a road win, so I'm not trying to say it wasn't just a hard-fought game and you can take it up to whatever it is. That win's looking more and more impressive, that they're able to beat a Washington team who's a lot more galvanized and seems to be figuring things out with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. But I will say this, if the Vikings hosted Washington in Minneapolis on Wild Card Weekend, I'm going to assume that that's probably the most favorable matchup that you're probably going to get. I'm not sleeping on them, not trying to take them for granted, but in terms of the playoff matchups that we've kind of teased before and we've talked about before on Realistic Randy Rants, that I would say Washington's probably the more preferred opponent if you want to go down that route.
0: I would say the same thing as well. And shout out to the NFC East. They're looking at, right now, all four teams making the playoffs whoever doesn't win that division, the other three teams that don't win the division, I mean, they're going to at least be wild card spots, but I will say this, that should be the favorable matchup for the Vikings to open the playoffs because yes, they, they barely won November 6th, 20 to 17 at FedEx field. But if you remember, it should not have been that close because that damn referee got in the way off that Curtis Samuel touchdown. That should have never happened. Take that aside. The Vikings win by at least 10 points. So I think of all the teams in the playoffs, that's the best, I don't want to call them a layup any given Sunday, anything can happen, but I think that's the best case scenario for the Vikings to start off, because the Giants, the Cowboys, my goodness, let's say the 49ers, I mean, they're going to be the 3C, pretty much the 3C is going to be the NFC West division winner, but I think... I agree with you. The commanders, they're the team that you want to go up against to start things off for these playoffs.
1: I'd say this too, you know, the, and the Vikings again are firmly in this second seed. They, uh, they, they have a leg up on a few teams playing San Francisco at any, at any parts can be difficult, but I will say this, stay ahead of San Francisco in the seating. Like I, obviously, I, it, yes. it, it, you don't want to go to Santa Clara. Um, that, that would not be a preferred, preferred road game for the Vikings. So if you can be, get them at home, which would still be a very tough game. And actually I would love that. I am mean, that'd be a, Great football game, San Francisco and Vikings um, potentially in the divisional round. But in terms of where that game is at, my God, I would love to be home instead of having to go to Santa Clara for that. So the Vikings still have a chance here. If obviously they wrap up the North and they get a home game in the Wild Card weekend, but getting that two seed because there is no buy that does guarantee you a divisional home playoff game if you get out of the Wild Card. So there, there's a path here where the Vikings can actually play two games at home. Before potentially having to go to the one seed, which will probably be Philadelphia on the road in the NFC title game, which I know you have talked about. You want your sweet revenge there from four years ago, also from week two this season. So, yeah, the the playoff picture, Vikings are firmly kind of in their own control of their destiny to a degree. And it looks like they'll at least get, at the very least, a home playoff game in wildcard weekend.
0: I prefer that the Vikings stay with the two seed and that they go to the NFC championship game at the link. They go to Philly and kick their asses that's exactly what i want that to me would be the game that if you can pull that off the ultimate upset that would catapult you into the super bowl as man all the confidence in the world because week two you talked about it 2017 nfc championship game this team has had the vikings number in big games i want this to be over with put it behind you you should have all the motivation in the world even though this is a whole new coaching staff harrison smith he was there in 2017. Eric Hendricks was there as well. You got some players that are still hanging around that, okay, hey, this is what it's all about right now. We need to toughen up, man up, and really destroy this team. And I think if they can do that, they. Can. I know it's the Vikings, and I won't believe it until I see them holding the Lombardi trophy, but that would damn near put them in a favorable position to win the Super Bowl outright. Because if you can beat the Eagles at the link, you can beat anybody.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Does your opinion on Seattle change? They've lost now two in a row. Uh, Their offense still very good, but maybe coming down to earth to a degree after a a hot start. If it's Vikings hosting the Seahawks um, at U.S. Bank Stadium, how would you feel about that?
0: I still feel a bit iffy about that because Geno Smith has been pretty good. I would take my chances and say, okay, if it's not going to be the commanders, because that's the thing. The commanders, they control their own destiny as the seventh seed right now. If they were to give that up, and assuming that the NFC West division winner is indeed the San Francisco 49ers, if they were to give that up, the Commanders and the Seattle Seahawks were to leapfrog them into seven, that still, I would say, is the favorable matchup that you would want compared to the rest of the teams in the playoffs. Geno Smith is playing really well. They're having a good season. They look. Who would have thought that the Russell Wilson trade to Denver I thought, oh, my God, they're going to have Drew Locke. Maybe he's going to be the starter. Geno Smith, he's going to be the starter. Drew Locke, you couldn't even beat out him. Oh, this team, they are going to be terrible. Who would have thought that they would be good right now? I didn't think that at all. Mm -hmm. But I think compared to the rest of the teams in the playoffs, if it's not the Commanders at seven, you have to want the Seattle Seahawks, even though I'm a bit iffy about that.
1: And then, I mean, there's a chance the entire NFC East goes to the playoffs, and that that would be the case if the playoffs started today. That every team in the NFC East would occupy the three wild card spots outside of Philly being the one seed, obviously. So th- there's a chance that it could be the Dallas Cowboys or Giants, Commanders. But the good news is all three of those teams will have to go on the road at least for one playoff game um, in wild card weekend. Yet, yeah, I know the Cowboys obviously gave them a, a hell of a licking a week ago. Um, and the Giants, I think, also are kind of coming down to earth. They've now lost two in a row. I'm not as scared as them, as maybe as I was once was, either. But I, w- I would say that the two teams you probably are fearing are the San Francisco 49ers are obviously the number one, and after that, I mean, I, th- I just think it's it's a lot of parity there. Like, I don't want to have to play Tom Brady in the playoffs, even though these Bucks are not as good as they used to be. Um, but I-, I also know that can really only happen within the NFC Divisional or Championship Round 2. So, in terms of their, in terms of the teams that they have to play or most likely are going to play, it's probably going to be a Washington team or someone from the NFC East, and maybe the Seahawks. I don't know yet, but I, I, I like the, I like basically, I like the Vikings' chances at home on Wild Card Weekend in Minneapolis.
0: I like the Vikings' chances against anybody at US Bank Stadium. They've shown plenty of times that they can do just enough to win games in the nastiest, nastiest of ways. If that's even a possibility they will do what it takes to win games so even against the better teams in the league that crowd is something serious I don't know if U.S. Bank Stadium gets talked about enough as far as home field advantage the impact that the fans have on the team and the playing field but I've been there enough times to where I'm just saying to myself if I was an opposing team coming to U.S. Bank Stadium and the decibels out there. And if you're the quarterback, you have to do a silent count just to get the snap off and stay in rhythm with your offense. That's a lot to deal with. And I think against anybody, the Vikings, they have a good chance.
1: Agreed. As I turn my mic off, then back on. Um, Randy, let's take, let's take a look ahead to, to the Jets game this Sunday. Uh, all of a sudden, Mike White is balling out again. So he he actually did this two times last year. He like threw for 400 yards um, for the Jets last year and and it went over the Bengals who obviously went to the Super Bowl. but he also threw in a clunker in there last season where he threw like four picks and the bills blew the Jets doors completely off and wasn't a really good game. But yesterday balls out for them. I mean, he had another big game and they're obviously not going to turn back to Zach Wilson. And why would you, Uh, when you kind of look at this game now with them, maybe figuring out their quarterback, do you sweat this one a little bit more when the Jets come to town on Sunday?
0: I do a lot more. If it if this was the Zach Wilson-led Jets, I would say it's going to be a tough game because the Vikings' defense, they're going to make every game a tough game, whatever, but it's still Zach Wilson. You should still get the job done. And I think the Vikings, they should still win this game. But this this adds a new dilemma to this situation with Mike White, who looked fantastic yesterday against the Chicago Bears. I mean, Elijah Moore, I'm sure he doesn't want to get traded anymore as long as Mike White is the quarterback. Garrett Wilson, he scored. Zach Wilson lost that locker room. Mm-hmm. It, it, dudes were basically giving subliminal messages saying, we don't want him here. And now that that's gone, that type of win that they had yesterday, that's going to be something that really galvanizes the whole locker room to where they have a new wave of confidence. They're feeling good about themselves. And, you know, it's all, it's one of those things where you don't know if this is going to be the same Mike White that we saw yesterday at U.S. Bank Stadium Next Sunday, we don't know because my goodness, I think this was this was the year of Christian Ponder slash uh, Matt Castle slash Josh Freeman. But I think this was the London ga- London game that year where Matt Castle got his start and he looked really good for us. And, oh my God, he's so much better than Christian Ponder. Let's let him start the rest of the way. Greg Jennings, he scored a touchdown in that game. He looked good, and then the rest of the way it kind of regressed. Okay, we'll go back to Christian Ponder. Oh, we'll we'll take a stab at. Josh Freeman in the game against the Giants, and it just all fell apart. So I don't know if what we saw yesterday, that's going to correlate to what happens next Sunday, but it adds a new dimension, as in this guy, no matter what, he can throw the football. And these receivers that they have before with Zach Wilson, it's eh, whatever, they'll just go with the run game. Wilson might complete 54% of his passes, that's it. Mike White can play. So this adds a new dilemma for the Vikings' defense that's already struggling, one of the worst in the league. But I think the Vikings, they'll still win this game. It would just be a lot more excruciating had Zach Wilson played instead.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And look, the Jets' defense is pretty damn good, too. Um, They're fourth in points, they're sixth in yards. Um, Luckily, the Vikings carved up a really good Patriots' defense, so they have shown a recipe that they can beat a good defense. So it's not completely um, out of the question that they would be shut down, necessarily. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the Jets... Preseason we looked at this as probably a guaranteed win, no problem, not even a bat of the eye. Now it's like, oh, okay, this is actually this is a pretty good Jets football team. Robert Sala's got him playing pretty well. Um and now the Vikings kind of have their hands full to a degree against a a Jets team that has, yeah, improved mightily, especially this season. And obviously if Zach Wilson has indeed lost that locker room, it's a different story too. Uh right now the Vikings are three point favorites. So they're basically the okay. the home, the home pick'em is is a factoring in here. They opened at four and a half. I'm guessing after the Mike White performance, that line has moved a little bit because White actually looked competent uh, for the Jets. I should say, very good for the Jets, not even just competent. So, yeah, I I think the Vikings should still be able to beat the Jets. Um, I'm curious on what type of Kirk shows up for this game. It is a a classic noon game, so we're back to the normal Kirk Cousins uh, playing in the window that he loves the most. You know, question off that too, Randy, for you that I told you um, before we flipped on the microphones. Has Kirk Cousins shed some of that primetime negativity against him. He goes off and gets a big win on Thursday night football uh, against the New York Jets. He's, he's honestly put up a few extra wins too with the Vikings in primetime. I know there are some of them against a bad Chicago bears team, but do you feel where he at least is shedding some of that primetime negativity against him with the performance like he had against the Patriots?
0: Not until he does it in the playoffs, the Vikings, they don't have a primetime game the rest of this regular season, but I think the easy thing to do with Kirk Cousins is, He's had some good games in prime time, and then when he has a bad game, it kind of regresses to the mean for the national narrative. Okay, Kirk, he can't get it done in the big moments. So we saw what he did on Thanksgiving against one of the elite defenses in the league, the New England Patriots. But I think give it a couple of weeks as the playoffs get closer and closer. It's all Kirk Cousins. I don't know. In the national spotlight, he's not going to show up. We know what he's about at 1 p.m., during the regular season but playoffs or prime time get out of here I think it's a temporary fix when he does well on prime time we say okay he looks really good but then give it a couple of weeks and they're back to hey Kirk Cousins he's going to fail you he's going to be the reason why your team doesn't succeed because in the bright lights big games he falls apart
1: yeah, I mean, last week against the Patriots was his best statistical performance of the season, I thought. I mean, he was he was damn near money, and he was going without his starting left tackle on Christian Darris. So I'm guessing he'll remain out against the Jets, too. So it's probably going to still be Blake Brandle again starting at left tackle. And he, he was awesome for them. So I agree. You're probably going to need even a deep playoff run to probably shed sure. some of that. And also, unfortunately, because it's you know the last game you play, and that's what everyone remembers, how does he play in that last game? Like if, if the Vikings lose on a missed field goal, let's say, but Kirk plays very, very well. Um, I don't think some of that narrative will go, but if they get their, you know, if they lose like they did against the 49ers in the playoffs, like three years ago, that narrative is probably going to linger again into the off season. So he's still in control of that own destiny. He's got six game winning drives this season for God's sakes. I mean, that's like been one of the biggest surprises, obviously for, for the Vikings and why they've been so successful this year. Um, but I am curious, yeah, kind of how he performs and it's probably going to be more of a playoff performance than it will be, um, how he plays over the next like six weeks or so. So, uh, I'm with you there. Uh, Randy, the Vikings defense got gashed by, to your point off the top by Mac Jones, um, 400 yards. No one really saw Mac Jones stepping in and just absolutely gashing them. And Vikings got even more bad news also on Monday. I don't know if you saw this, but Andrew Booth is having knee surgery, So he's potentially out for the rest of the season. He's getting an opinion on this as we record on a Monday afternoon. But now you're down another cornerback. Cam Dantzler, I believe, can return in the Lions game. Uh, So he's still, I believe, out another week until he can come off IR. But uh, how concerned are you with the Vikings defense uh, after a performance like that against a pretty bad quarterback, in my opinion, to Mac Jones?
0: I'm very concerned about the Vikings defense. And it's it's the ultimate bend but don't break. So the Vikings, they have the second worst total defense. They allow the second highest completion rate to opposing quarterbacks, 21st in scoring defense, but they're fifth in takeaways. So it reminds me of the 09 Saints, where yeah. they had the eighth worst defense, but second in takeaways. So they force timely turnovers to give their team a chance to win. The question then becomes, is this sustainable? So, I mean, I got to tell you, when I think about the Philadelphia Eagles, when all, when everything's clicking on all cylinders, last night, yes, they struggled against the Packers. They still got the win, but offensively, they look pretty damn good. All these juggernaut teams offensively, that gives me, that gives me reason to say I'm not quite sure if that's going to hold up. Because if you can't get stops, not just turnovers, but if you can force a couple of three and and outs even, or if you can't, that's going to put you in a situation to where the offense, they can't afford. Kirk Cousins is having technically a down year, but he's still making the plays necessary to, okay, give us enough points to win games. Kirk Cousins has to go back to last year's version if the defense is going to continue the way that it is if you're going to win the Super Bowl. I am very concerned about this defense. And the thing is, this is fixable in terms of coaching. Ed Donatel, the pass rush that you are creating is because whoop de doo you've got Daniel Hunter and you've got Z'Darri Smith. Congratulations. The interior pressure is not there. So if the quarterback, if I'm the quarterback, and all i got to realize or remember is that, okay, the edge, don't go outside, just step up in the pocket because the interior pressure is not there. It's golden. It's Mm -hmm. easy money. And if you're going to have your corners give all the cushion in the world and you're not going to dial up blitzes, now to his credit, I will say, that Patriots game, I want to say this was late in the third quarter or in the fourth quarter, we saw blitzes, finally. And what do you know? It was successful. If you can just blitz and, my God, have your cornerbacks play a little bit closer to the receivers, and as far as the interior pressure, maybe switch around personnel if Dalvin Tomlinson if he can come back that changes a lot those are things that you can fix right now but for the most part this year Ed Donizel saying (laughs) nothing to see here no adjustments we're going to keep doing the same thing that we've been doing this whole time nothing's going to stop me and if that is the case just being stubborn with your play calling that will be the ultimate demise for this team defensively, not necessarily the players. And, okay, maybe we have a bunch of aging vets, but the coaching side of it.
1: Yeah, it, it's so mind-boggling that the Vikings have two of the best pressure guys in Zedarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. I think Zedarius is still number one in pressures. and Daniil quietly has been a top 10 guy generating pressures uh, this season, according to Pro Football Focus. But the Vikings' defense is literally giving up the second most yards per play in the NFL. Um, and it is the classic example of bend, not break. Your, your Saints comparison is the one I think I was trying to tease about during the beginning of the season of, all right, it's going to give up a crap ton of yards, but it's opportunistic. It gets takeaways. It, it forces turnovers. I think the one area I would like to see them probably improve, which I do think is obtainable, they have been one of the worst red zone defenses in terms of touchdowns and points allowed. Can you hold more opponents to field goals, right? Can you hold them to three instead of six like I think if you get down to the red zone can you stop them there like you're going to give up yards that's clear they, they literally let teams march up and down the field can you figure out ways inside the 20 to 25 yard line to make life hell on them can you dial up the more pressure can you figure out ways not to just uh, rush four but rush five or get creative with getting after the quarterback I think if they actually fix their red zone woes where they sacrifice and basically hedge some of those points off then I feel a lot better about this defense, but I get it. I mean, look what the Cowboys did. They were all over the field, and look what Mac Jones did against it. I mean, he was going up and down no. with ease. Uh, I, that's where, I know I know there's the, the Greg Joseph negativity, and I understand why it's there, because he's been probably the worst kicker statistically this season, but I'm looking more at that defense and thinking that's what's going to be a bigger problem here. If they don't they don't fix certain areas and they can't stop teams and stop the bleeding, then that's where I think this Vikings, you know, season can be cut short prematurely because this defense just gives up so many yards and so many big plays.
0: And I think if we're looking at this from an optimistic standpoint, the red zone could bode well for the Vikings defense because hey the field shrinks it gets tighter the offense they don't have much wiggle room to work with you need players that are going to be aggressive so for instance Andrew Booth Jr he's getting surgery and I hope he has a speedy recovery but in the sense that you look at how he was playing before he got hurt compared to a guy like Duke Shelley who's very aggressive and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up costing us a couple of penalties once in a while but he's aggressive. He's not scared. If you can get Cam Dansler back on the field, that, that makes the secondary so much better to where when you get into that red zone situation and you know what, you're not going to give up any wiggle room to work with to these receivers as long as the pass rush is there. I think that can improve the red zone defense the rest of the way. But if you're going to play soft and play scared, and again, that comes to coaching because even on, goodness, before first and goal, let's say it's second and two before the opposing offense, they get a chance at first and goal. We're still playing 10 yards off. We're still playing seven yards off. That, that's that's way too easy. You're practically giving the opposing offense this touchdown right here when you don't have to. It's The sport of football is so difficult in itself yeah. that if you're going to give these continuous breaks to the opposing team, my God, you're asking to lose these games. This is something that you can change Right now. It doesn't have to be this bad as it has been for most of this season.
1: Yeah, that's where it's just I have I have just fears over that defense getting gashed and not being able to stop teams and you know that they, they hey they stopped Mac Jones in the last drive. That's all that matters. Um but I, I think if you can figure out ways to get more pressure and yeah, just the Don Shell, like th- this is the style they're gonna I don't agree with it. I think it's stupid. I think it's dumb to play this far off all the all the damn time. Uh but also when you're you're without cornerbacks, uh, you're without some starters here. It makes life a lot easier. I mean, hell, Duke Shelley might be a player. I don't know. Duke Shelley's Duke Shelley's kind of came out of left field here and made some big plays in back-to-back games.
0: All he does is create pass breakups. <laughs> yeah. in the end zone. That's all he does. And damn it, we'll take it.
1: Absolutely. Uh, offensively, though, Randy, let's let's flip the side of the ball here just for a minute. Um, this is where I think we we've, we've been seeing this a little bit last year, and now we're seeing it come to fruition regardless if he's covered or not, throw the GD ball to Justin Jefferson, right? Like just, this is where you put the ball in your playmaker's hands and let him do his thing. This is where I think Kirk has, you know, changed some of his mold, and I'll t- I'll take off some of the individual statistics for the aggressiveness in nature, where he's throwing to Justin Jefferson and he's double covered, or he's thrown to a tight window and he's still able to make that throw. Justin Jefferson makes his life a lot easier. And if you throw a pick, and I know... Uh, Kirk's pick was attended to KJ Osborne. He just slipped it. It was a bad throw from Kirk. It was it was an awful throw. Um, but he's also forcing throws into windows where he wasn't before. Like there's throws to Justin Jefferson that we have known from past Kirk. That is a check down to Tyler Conklin in the flat. And instead, he's forcing a tight window throw because Justin Jefferson is just so gd good at football.
0: Justin Jefferson is the best receiver. In the league, and real quick to backtrack, what you said earlier—the interception, what intended for KJ Osborne, stop throwing the ball to KJ Osborne. (laughs) Nothing good, or nothing good, ever happens when you throw to that man. It's rare that he turns it into a positive play. Stop throwing the ball to him. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm saying myself, I have the best receiver in the league. After that, your number two option should be TJ Hawkinson, the tight Mm -hmm. end. After that. Adam Thielen and you know what man if all this pressure is if the pocket is collapsing and I have nothing else no other options out there I just need to throw it up there if it happens to be KJ Osborne sure only in emergency situations don't throw it to him anymore but Justin Jefferson you're right I mean going back to the Buffalo game the fourth down play what was it fourth and 16 fourth and 18 the one-handed grab This man, it is so similar to Randy Moss in the fact that if he doesn't come down with the football, it's not because the defensive back, they made a great play. It's because, wow, Justin Jefferson, he just couldn't get in his bag that one particular play. You have mercy over whatever it is that Justin (laughs) Jefferson wants to do. And the fact that we have him here that I think if we had any other wide receiver one, Tyreek Hill, he's in the conversation for best receiver in the league, sure. But besides that, if we had any other wide receiver one next to Hawkinson, who's pretty good, and Adam Thielen, who's not as great as he was, let's say, two or three years ago, this offense, wouldn't. I don't think we would have won the amount of games that we've won up to this point. Justin Jefferson, there's a reason why he should be in the conversation for MVP, certainly on this team. I thought it would be Kirk Cousins. For the Vikings. No, it's actually Justin Jefferson. So as long as you have him, man, it doesn't matter. The defense put whatever. New England, one of the best defenses in the league. And we we put the business to him. It didn't matter. Justin Jefferson, what do you got, 139 yards? He's the man. As long as you have him, you're good.
1: Also, I mean, t- to your point, too, the secondary option, TJ Hawkinson here. I mean, th- this has been a, what a great trade from Quacey. I mean, w- th- this draft has gotten off to a slow start. You lost Lewisine. now you lost Andrew Booth. Um, there's been some, you know, flashes from a Caleb Evans here and there, but mostly, a- and Edding Ed Ingram has been a starter, but is obviously, you know, disappointed so far in, in his rookie season. This trade for Hawkinson, in my opinion, doesn't wipe away from that, but man, it makes it makes it life so much easier that you were able to pull this trade off. I don't know if you saw the note, Randy, but Hawkinson, for a tight end, has already caught 26 balls with the Vikings. That's the most for any tight end in his first four games with any team. So this dude is being fed the ball like crazy. He's the perfect intermediate route. He's not a deep threat option by any means, but with the way the tight end is kind of evolving, I mean, TJ Hawkinson certainly isn't Kelsey, but he is the probably the next second tier of the of of those tight ends and he's made this Vikings offense so much better and yeah you're not forcing balls to KJ like I'm definitely disappointed in KJ Osborne's season because I thought we saw last year of oh is this step one or is this the ceiling we're clearly seeing that 2021 version of KJ Osborne yeah that was the ceiling he's probably not gonna be any better than he was statistically like he was last year Uh, but TJ Hawkinson now gets this intermediate flavor that makes Kirk Cousins life and this Vikings offense so much better
0: And it makes things easier for a guy like Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. So when, let's say if Jefferson has triple coverage, you still have TJ Hawkinson, who really disappointed me in the Dallas game. Those back-to-back drops he had should have been a touchdown, but whatever. For the most part, he's been excellent for this team. And going back to the draft, as far as what I was clamoring for was, man, go after Jameson Williams. We need Mm -hmm. a receiver, right? And that's even – Considering I was thinking that K.J. Osborne would take a step up from last year and that Adam Thielen, he'll be okay, But with the drop off of K.J. Osborne and with Adam Thielen kind of being who we thought he would be, you need another weapon. And T.J. Hawkinson makes up for that. If they did not make that trade, and let's say we're rolling with Johnny Munt because Irv Smith Jr., he's out and Ben Ellison is, is the tight end one, whatever. This offense would be in all holy hell right now. Whereas, okay, we need the run game. Dalvin Cook, he had, goodness, he had like two yards per carry against the Patriots on Thursday. He makes things easier, and I think it does, in a sense, kind of make up for the draft, not necessarily all the way, but it makes things so much easier for this offense. If you didn't do that, we, instead of 9-2, and Vikings, we're looking at, goodness, I'd say 7-4, and
1: maybe. The Hawkinson addition literally, I think, solidifies them as the top ten offense that we've been asking for them to be for the last few years here. Like his emergence and his um, influence in this offense makes life a lot easier. Yeah, Adam Thielen's not the—he's still a good receiver. He's—he's older. You you slow down. Uh, KJ Osborne is not going to be more than a wide receiver three most likely in his NFL career. Now, when we get to the draft, is it probably now priority all of a sudden? Like, yeah, you know what? They could use another high-end wide receiver potentially in the first or second round. And, and if that ends up being the case, great. Go deep. I, I love that idea. But Hawkinson has made life so much easier. And Kwesi deserves a lot of credit. Like, he gave up two, he gave up premium draft picks. But you know what? I will gladly take TJ Hawkinson, the known commodity, over losing a second and third round pick to a franchise, by the way, in Detroit. Like, if you were trading these picks to the Patriots, and the Patriots are so good at, you know, finding players late in the draft, I'd be a little more concerned. It's Detroit. I'm, I'm not too worried about Detroit hitting a home run with a second or third round pick. And even if they find a competent player at those picks, the TJ Hawkinson trade is still going to be very much worth it. It was a good trade from Kwasi.
0: Yeah, it, it, Detroit every year, it's this is the year. We're going to prove all the haters wrong. And it turns out to be the same old song. <laughs> I think, and even goodness, the, the what you gave up for TJ Hawkinson, I think the Vikings clearly won that trade, regardless of what happens the rest of the way okay, fine, we'll get someone in the draft in the third round or the third or fourth round. Okay, you still have TJ Hawkinson, who, like you said, is in that second tier, maybe second or third tier, but he's one of the better tight ends in the league. Absolutely. You can't necessarily find that at the drop of a hat all willy-nilly. You already won that trade. And I think because of that, even though I was really annoyed with Quazy, the way he handled that draft, this to me at least softens the blow a bit to where, okay, in the playoffs, You've got a real shot here offensively,
1: uh, Randy. Last thing before we wrap here, uh, we talked about this today on Purple Daily. We, we talked about biggest surprises, positive and and kind of negative so far this season. Uh, I'm curious on your biggest positive or biggest surprise, I should say, to the 2022 Vikings. What has stood out to you the most so far this season?
0: I think if you had told me before the season started that Kirk Cousins would regress as a quarterback mm-hmm. and the defense would be equally bad, if not worse compared to the last two years, hey, guess what? You know what? I would say to myself that the Vikings, they're going to win like five games this season. Because in 2021, Kirk Cousins was the reason why the Vikings were at least in games. He kept them afloat that whole time. So now he's worse off this year. The defense is terrible Mm -hmm. by all measurements, but they're still winning games. They're the two seed. That to me is the biggest surprise for me when it comes to this Minnesota Vikings team, I would have never guessed in my lifetime that we would see something like this.
1: No, absolutely. I I, I told uh, Mackie and Judd that it was, it was Kirk's six game winning drives, right? Like the six fourth quarter, like there was a stretch from 20 his first two years. He had one in two seasons, one game winning drive wow. in two years. And last year, some of this started. So like, I'll, I'll give him credit last year. He was clutch. There were some times that the defense or kicker failed him. Probably could have gotten credit for one or two more fourth quarter comebacks last season. But this year he has been incredibly clutch and his numbers have fallen off. Statistically, he's having his worst season statistically as a starter, but he has risen up in these moments in the fourth quarter where, man, I never saw that coming. That's what I've wanted to see, but I certainly never, if you would have told me, hey, by week 11, 12, he's going to have six fourth quarter comebacks and the Vikes would be nine and two. I probably have looked, looked at you dumbfounded like, what? How did that happen? And who is this version of Kirk? Because I've never seen that before. Um, I'll give you one last negative here before we wrap or a little more surprise. I'm surprised that Canadian Wangwu hasn't figured out a way to get into the Vikings offense. And I don't think that's a detriment. I don't think that Kevin O'Connell is wasting an amazing opportunity here, but he's only had, I think four offensive snaps all season. Everything's been coming on special teams. He brought one back obviously against the Patriots. He's legitimately probably the best kick returner already in the NFL, uh, but I'm surprised for a, for a, Guy like Kevin O'Connell loves the illusion of complexity and keeping Dalvin cook healthy with rotating Alexander Madison that we haven't seen many packages or even just plays with Wong. Wu.
0: Well, I think that goes into the criticism of the conservative nature of the coaching style. That is Kevin O'Connell this year for the most part outside of the scripted drive or the let's say, the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, that's where he ramps it up. I think that goes into the conservative nature to where, and I think drafting Ty Chandler, that kind of put Kane yeah. and Wangu in the situations where, okay, he's behind the eight ball off the bat. But now with Chandler on IR, there really is no reason why Wangu shouldn't be out there on offense. Whatever you get from him from special teams, that's going to be great. But he is a talented player. He's one of those guys that I kind of reminds me of, goodness, Jarek McKinnon yeah. or even I wish that Mike Boone got more opportunities with us where I'm man, if he gets the ball in his hands, he mm-hmm. can make things happen, but they're not doing it. I think they just trust they trust the veteran leadership that is Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and they don't want to divvy away from that.
1: Yeah, I don't blame them all there. All right, Randy. Uh, this time next week we'll be breaking down a Vikings Jets game. Hopefully it's a Vikings win and potentially even celebrating an NFC North title. And Randy and I can even more deep dive into those playoff discussions. Uh, Hit that subscribe button. Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment here on Purple Daily, where we want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die. Go hit up Realistic Randy's YouTube channel as well. Some great Vikings content. Realistic Randy, my man. I will uh, talk to you next Monday.
0: Yes, sir.